start. And uh, as always, really excited to get this thing rolling with you guys with the West Side Exchange. Uh, for those of you who weren't here this last week, we really cast a lot of vision about what that means to us. And, uh, you know, a name can just be a name, switching it from, I think we had West Side University to West Side Exchange. And uh, we really want to... We really want to promote this ministry as, as something that is really getting back to the basics of who Jesus is and, and who we are to be underneath that. That all starts from the beautiful, the great exchange that happened when Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sin. He rose again for our salvation so that we can live a life of purpose and hope in the day and age that we currently live in. Amen. Everything that we, comes, that everything that we do is going to come from that really simple truth, that simple fact that we are going to reside in. We're going to preach the gospel a lot here. On Tuesday nights, not just because we want people to get saved for the first time, but because we believe that the, the, the story of the gospel can encourage and inspire and, and heal us and, and, and heal us no matter where we're at in our life, no matter what moment we're facing, no matter what situation we're in, the gospel and reminding ourselves of who Jesus is can change the dynamic of everything in an instant. Amen. So tonight we're going to do our first uh, series as the West Side Exchange, and we're calling it the Big Bay Theory. Uh, how many know what a bay is? Everybody know what a bay is? is okay, raise your hand if you don't know what a bay is. Okay, see, uh, yeah, there's a couple, maybe a couple of you guys. For those of you who don't know, bay is, stands for before anyone else. Uh, maybe you were as ignorant as me. And you thought bay is just the lazy way to say baby or babe. Uh, no, it's before anyone else, believe it or not. I remember the first time I said that to someone, I said, oh, yeah, bay. You know, it's like, you know, it's kind of like babe. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, because it's such a huge disconnect, you jerk. Come on, cut me some slack. Well, we're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to be talking about dating. We're going to be talking about sex. We're going to be talking about marriage. All of these things, okay? So let's jump in. Uh, you can amen the word sex as often as you please during the sermon series, by the way. <laughs> this is so funny. Every time I talk about this the first week, everyone's always like nervously like... <laughs> sex. Um, it says in Genesis 2 verse 18... And then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Uh, yeah, amen that one, man. Come on. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed the very beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to him, to the man, to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. He slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, now, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now that is um, interesting. Genesis, Adam speak for, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know, any of you guys ever been walking around the street and see a girl and go, Oh, that is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. <laughs> she shall be called wifey. <laughs> don't talk like that. That's why we're preaching this sermon series. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. 
the Big Bay Theory, the Big Bay Theory. There's a lot of uh, ideas about what relationships are about. Uh, there's a lot of ideas about what dating is about. And I want you to know, uh, first of all, full disclosure as we get started here, I want you to know what this, a little bit about what this series is as a whole. Uh, first of all, it's for all of us. Some of you in here are married. Some of you have kids. Uh, some of you are dating. Some of you are single. Some of you are are engaged. Like we come from all these different walks of life. And if you're in here and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be for married people. Or, oh my gosh, this is going to be for single people. And that's it. Look, this is, this is for everybody. And, and why do we know that? Well, number one, I'm going to cater the material to that. But secondly, it's the word of God. And someone, as someone who has been married for six years, coming up on seven years, talking about the importance of dating and relationships it, it is so key to a healthy marriage for me, even at this stage of my life. Going back, and I love talking to people who are dating, and, and, and sometimes some of the things that they talk about, and I'm going, oh, man, that's right. We used to talk about that. We used to get excited about that. That's something that I can get excited about. And for some of you, you need to hear about what it's like to be a mom and a dad because someday you're going to be one. And I'd like to give you a few answers that are going to be on the quiz later on when that child shows up. Uh, not all of it because I don't want to spoil the fun for you. Um, <laughs> I got a text today from my wife. This happened each of the last three days where she sent me a picture of my new baby girl. And she said, oh, isn't she so cute with poop all the way around her body, you know? And I'm like, oh, how does it defy physics like that? How do you get poop up here when it, I don't know. It's a great mystery. Maybe you will discover. Um, but it's not just for one demographic of people. Um, this isn't going to be, uh, we're not going to do like the birds and the bees, okay? Uh, if you don't know how everything uh, works, um, consult your old health teacher, okay? Uh, we're not going to get weird like that. I'm not going to show pictures, okay? There's not going to be illustrations of that fashion. Um, and, and finally, and this is the most important, this is not a shame fest, okay? This is not a let's wallow in how horrible you've been in relationships and all the mistakes that you have made. Uh, I want you to know first and foremost, and this is kind of you know a spoiler for the rest of it, but first and foremost that, that whatever has happened or whatever you have done or whatever mistakes that you have made, they don't have to have a hold on your relationships as you go forward. Now, in, in my experience, for some reason, I, I've found it a lot easier for people to move on from a job or from a school or maybe even just from a simple living situation and move on and mature into other things. And for some reason, if we feel like we've screwed up or we become a certain kind of person in relationships, a, a certain kind of boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, for some reason, we allow ourselves to hold on to those labels a lot longer than we do other labels that exist in our lives. And I want you to know that, that I'm not coming at this preaching to you that you have this label and this is what you have and this is how you just deal with it. That's not true at all. I believe that God, just like anything, just like physical healing, that God can heal you of the, your past relationships. I don't think you're going to forget about them forever, but I do believe that they're not going to bring shame to you anymore. That they're not going to bring doubt to you anymore. And they're not going to bring fear to you anymore. They're not going to subject you to this idea that, that what you were when you were an idiot when you were 16 or 20 or 25 or 30, that that is going to drive you the rest of your life. I believe that we can all experience healing. And I would imagine, I wouldn't imagine, I know because the statistics tell me so, that we all need some degree of healing when it comes to this area of life. 
because for some reason it breeds more insecurity, it breeds more craziness than anything else. To be honest with you, I think I could preach on sex, dating, and relationships every single week, and it would probably be really, 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 really relevant to all of us if you're anything like me. So we're going to jump into this together, the big, the big bay theory. Are you excited? Are you with me tonight? Yeah, some of you. Uh, by the way, I'm just going to say this. You are more than welcome to interact with me a little bit as I preach. Um, don't be a lunatic, please. Uh, you know, like like some people like, oh, peanut butter jelly pastor, come on. It's like, no, okay, none of that. Um, uh, but you are more than welcome to... Uh, to interact with me, to, to amen, to encourage whatever, not just for my sake, although some of it is for my sake, but also to help keep yourself engaged. Um, if I tell myself that I need to amen a certain amount of times, I will pay more attention. Okay? Uh, little little church tip there. Well, that's a weird tip. And if you don't want to say anything at all, that's cool too. Let's pray. Here we go. <laughs> Father God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for this group. Lord, we thank you uh, that you love us, that you care about that you care about our relationships, that you care about what has gone on in the past, and, and you care about our future, Lord. And so we want to serve you in this way. We want to do relationships right. We want to do them your way. We, not, not just because we're Christians, but, Lord, we, because we believe that doing relationships your way will be the best thing for our lives. Lord, so, so we submit to you tonight, and we, we have open minds and open hearts to your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid, as I've said a bunch of times. Uh, I grew up in the church, obviously. Uh, and and it's, uh, it's no indictment on my dad or anything like that. We didn't talk a whole lot about this. And to be honest with you, I wish somebody would have had a few more conversations with me that were straight up when it came to sex dating relationships than, uh, than I had. Um, and so I'm really passionate about this subject matter. I really believe that, that God wants to do something dynamic and incredible in our relationships. I believe that God wants us to have the best relationships out there. I mean, let's face it. If we believe that God is the creator of the universe, that he created all of these, these things, then we really should believe that, that people who follow Jesus and do relationships the right way should have the best relationships. They should have the best marriages. They should have the best sex. Like, Christians should be having the best sex of anybody on this planet. God created sex. He's probably the sexiest, you know? Like, we, we should be able to, to embrace this in our lives. It should be a part of Christian relationships. It really, really, really should be. And, and it's super funny, and I like saying that, and people always look at me like, ah, I don't know whether to laugh or amen. I'm confused. And, um, but I really truly believe that. If this is who God is, if he is who he says he is, then our relationships, not that they're going to be perfect and they're going to be all gumballs and jelly beans and butterflies, but, but that we can ultimately have the best relationships because we serve the God who created them and knows and how to teach us to do it the right way. And this is important, and I believe it's important for the church, not just because, well, it's a cultural thing and this is kind of where we're at. I believe it's important because, because God talks about it all the time in his scriptures. He talks specifically about marriage and, and those kind of relationships, but he also just talks about, man, how can we do relationships? How can we love each other better? How can we do this the best way possible? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. This is ultimately what it comes down to. It's relationships. This is the building block of the church of God himself. 
We're not, we're, we were never meant to isolate ourselves, but instead we were meant to embrace other people in our lives, and we were meant to have incredible marriages, incredible families, wonderful children that don't poop around the front, okay? My, my little girl's not saved yet, okay? That's, that's what I'm accounting and attributing this to. Uh, but I want to uh, address a few things in this first week as we get started. I want to address a few of the myths because uh, we've created kind of a lot of myths in, in our society today about what relationship is like. And, you know, preachers love to, to blame things like social media and all that stuff now. And, you know, we, like, we edit ourselves. And, and it's not true, but it, it sounds like cliche now because we've heard it so many times. But we, we like to edit ourselves. We only show people the perfect part of our relationships. Because let's be honest, nobody wants to see your poopy kids like on Instagram. Like, it's okay. You don't have to put that on there. Don't be that honest. Um, but we do. We have this idea of what relationships are. And, and, and people can portray only what they want to portray these days. And you can see only the good things and yada, yada, yada. And we have this idea also that, that has crept in just based on a, a lot of feelings a lot of times, or a lot of fairy tales, a lot of fantasy about what relationship is like. I'm a big believer that Disney is a really big problem for the relationship industry. Amen. And I love Disney movies. I love them. Aladdin is my jam. Like, you could tell me that there's a better Disney movie, and I will never believe you. There is no chance. Aladdin is the best. It's got Robin Williams in it. There's singing. There's dancing. There's deserts. There's Jasmine is the hottest of all the princesses. And, uh, all right, it's getting really weird. So, but I want to present a few, a few myths that have been created. The number one myth that is out there is, is that, that my relationship or the relationship that I will have is, is different from anybody else's relationship. Wrong. I know that we think we're special. And I know that God has created each and every single one of us individually and he knows the hair on our heads. And I believe all that. And I believe that you have a specific mission to accomplish in this world. I really, really, truly believe that. But sometimes we get so caught up in this idea of, and we make poor relationship decisions because that we believe that we are different. And so we date the foolish person and we think, but no, no, but we're different. I know that all the signs point to us breaking up horribly and it being absolutely god-awful and terrible, but we're different. You don't understand, we were at Walmart the other day and like he bought me a puppy in the parking lot. And like, we, we have the best Instagram photos and you know, you don't understand that we're different. I know that it didn't work out for you and it didn't work out for you. And, uh, but believe me, we are different and I have to tell you tonight, you're not. You're so not. And if you fall into the myth and the trap and believe that you are just so different from everybody else, that then you will disregard good advice and you will disregard the wisdom that the scripture or maybe even your parents or your pastors or other positive influences on your life will have because you believe that you, yourself, and you and your relationship, you are different. And the fact of the matter is that you're not. And we all, over and over and over again, have the tendency to fall in so many of the same problems. And our relationships are broken down in so many of the same ways. And we always stop and we say, man, I wish that I would have listened. Because other people have been here before. And I don't any longer want to be in this position. So let's understand that we can't believe that myth. We can't believe that we're all different, that we're all perfect, these little snowflakes. 
and our relationship will be perfect because we try harder than everybody else because that just won't happen. The next thing, and this kind of ties in from a sermon series that we were doing uh, a handful of weeks ago. Uh, there, is, there is one person for me. I'm destined for this one, this one person. Now, this is another problem that, that movies have created for us. And honestly, I think the movies should keep doing it because it makes for impressive and incredible and interesting stories. You know, like, I have this destiny and there's this one woman and all signs point to this woman or this guy or this whatever. And it's interesting. It does make for great Hollywood and, and movie writing and all those things. Uh, to be honest with you, my relationship with my wife would not be worthy of a movie. It would be absolutely boring. Um, <laughs> You know, we had a run, but now it's just a lot of diapers. And why do I keep talking about that? It's on my mind. But <laughs> this idea that there's, that there's this one person for me. Now, let me relieve uh, some of you. There is not this one person that is your destiny. Congratulations. Do you feel relieved? Because you should. Some of you that are especially the single ones should be like, I don't have to worry about walking down the right road at the right time and getting some bumped in by some guy and dropping all my books so that he can help me pick them up and we can touch hands over the last one, you know? Because that's how it's got to happen, right? I don't drop my books enough. I'm way too stranded. We don't even have books anymore. I dropped my iPad and you destroyed it. I'm not marrying this guy. Jerk. 600 bucks, bro. And... There's not this one, there's not this one destiny, there's not this cosmic force that's pushing two people together. Let's be honest, if you're single, you've got millions, millions of choices. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason for that being, and, and this is some of the proof, and this is because I've seen the other end of it all a lot is that if we believe in this, this one-person kind of myth, first of all, that throws out any kind of, of, of free will. But secondly, when things get rough, when you get down the road of a relationship a ways, who do you get to blame if it's some cosmic accident that the two of you were destined to be together? You get to blame God. All right, things suck in my relationship. Oh, the sex isn't as good as it once was, or the kids are doing this, or, man, we disagree on this, or the finances aren't coming together, all this. God, you brought me this guy. Fix him! <laughs> and God's gone. Picked him. Picked him. Because we do. We get to, we get to, we get to pick. And so this means that a lot of the relationship problems that we've gone through, they're, they're not necessarily just God's fault, but instead they're something that we've pushed ourselves into. When relationships go wrong or they get difficult, this means that we get to dig our heels in and stand up on our feet with our spouse or our, our, our fiance or our girlfriend, whatever the case may be, and we get to figure out how we can move forward in this life together, how we can encourage each other and how we can love each other. Because the fact of the matter is, is that good relationships very often are difficult. The first year of my marriage was one of the worst years of my entire life. It was horrible. And I don't just say that because my wife's not here. Like, she would be like, amen. 
We disagreed on just about everything. We, we, we really struggled with finances for the first time in our entire lives. We were trying to jam these two lives together. We, we had never lived together. We had never done, dealt with all these things, these different dynamics. You think having a roommate can get awkward and difficult and tough. Try having a roommate that you disagree with that you just said, hey, I want to spend the rest of my life being your roommate. In premarital counseling, the pastor said, in the first couple months, you are going to think about getting a divorce from your wife. And I said, ah, you are an idiot. <laughs> I mean, we'll be sleeping together. It'll be crazy and wild. I'm not going to have enough time to think about having a divorce. And sure enough, four weeks into the thing, we got in a massive fight. And I sat there and I went, I wonder what would happen if we got a divorce. And I went, whoa, holy cow. I never came anywhere near acting on it. I absolutely don't want a divorce, but this thought all of a sudden went by me and I went, oh my gosh, I am a wretched human. Because things got real. This is another reason why all those movies that we all watch, they all end at the kiss or at the date or at the wedding day. They don't go past there because a lot of that is difficult and it can be really super unsexy. But it's so good. But if we rely on this idea of I have this one person and, and really, and they're the right person, that's another myth. If they're the right person, how many might, maybe you believe in the right person myth. Okay, well, everything is going crazy and everything is going wrong, but I'm going to find the right person and then everything's going to be great. You know the problem with the right person myth is that the person you marry is out there thinking that when they meet you, everything is going to be right. And you look at yourself and go, no, that's wrong. That's very wrong. <laughs> no, I need help from you. Not this way. Not this way. Because you're two imperfect people. You know what I've noticed? And I've done, uh, I've done marriage counseling and premarital counseling. And you know what I've noticed about people is that we don't really have marriage problems. That marriage problems don't exist it's that people have problems and then they smash the problems together and those are the problems that they have during their marriage. People are broken and difficult and messed up and maybe some of you have tried this person on and tried this person on and tried this person on and have gone, man, I'm just dating the wrong people. Well, probably, but also you have to understand that people are stupid and difficult and messed up and broken and you will never ever find one that will heal the brokenness that you have in your life. Instead, two broken people have to come together and they have to gather around the greatness and the glory of Jesus Christ so that you can experience healing from someone outside yourselves and then you can walk forward together in Jesus. That's the only way that it'll work. Two broken people don't make one fixed relationship. It won't happen. The right person will not fix you. Only Jesus can do that. And then finally, myth number three, my past determines my future relationships. Uh, Stacy and Brendan, if I could have you guys, or uh, Derek too, if you guys wanna come up and you just wanna pick a little bit on that guitar, that would be great.
Now, this is one of the reasons that I want to start in Genesis 2, because in, in Genesis 3, now see two people are brought together. Adam is so stoked. He's got someone that, that is with him, that is like him. And then just in the next chapter, it goes to the first sin. This is, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast in the field. This is chapter 3, verse 1, which the Lord God had made. And, and he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. Or from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely won't die for God knows that in the day that you eat it, you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to, one, to make one wise, she took from it its fruit, she ate, she gave it to her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. And then they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loin coverings. Now in verse eight, check this out. Pay attention if you haven't paid attention the rest of the time. I know it's tough to pay attention to somebody reading, but do your best. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? The greatest question in the history of the Bible, right? God's walking around going, where are you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, it's like the same question my wife asked me. She goes, uh, did you put away your laundry? You know the answer to that question. <laughs> Don't ask me. It just makes me then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And the Lord said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be, to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I, died, I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Brokenness everywhere. But my favorite part in there, my favorite part in there is when they say, we were naked, so we were embarrassed. We were ashamed. Isn't that amazing? That, that one of the first, the, the first thing associated with a relationship or, or immediately after, you know, the Bible even describes that they, that they had sex after he was created. Isn't it amazing? That what's the first thing that comes in? And there's a problem. Shame. Shame shows up. Some of you in here tonight are so ridden with shame because of the relationship past that you have. Because of the history of your relationships, the, the people that you've slept with, the people that you've even just dated, the people that you've even given the time of day to, you are so ashamed. You're ashamed about some of the things that you've said, about some of the things that you've done, and that is such a driving force for your life as you go forward because you think, because of what I've done, this is who I am. And we begin to inherit and inhale and take in all of these things that the world says that we are because of these mistakes that we've made. And so Adam comes before God and he says, I'm naked, so I'm ashamed. And this is what I love about God. Even in this moment, even as the first sin shows up, God shows his greatness and his grace in the middle of this moment. God looks at him and he says, now wait a minute. Who told you you were naked? 
Now, I didn't say that. Who told you? Your sin told you that you were naked. Your shame told you that you were naked. And now so you feel like because of what the sin has said to you, now that this is defining of who that you are. Now, now you think maybe out here today, you think that because you, you slept with songs or you've done it, you made this mistake, you've broken off this relationship when you shouldn't to, you shouldn't have, you acted this way, you got addicted to this, you got addicted to that. And now you think because the sin comes to you day after day after day after day and says you should be ashamed. You are disgusting. You are, you are not worthy of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God in all of his greatness and his glory and because of the grace that has been poured out on us comes to us and he says, now wait a minute. Who told you to be ashamed? Who told you to sit in this? Who told you to roll around in this mud and this filth of this shame? I didn't tell you that. And I want you to know tonight that no matter what it is, I'm not saying that God smiles upon the sin in your life, but I do know that when we've been found in Jesus Christ and when we give our lives to him, the scripture says that he doesn't come upon us and look at us and say, and see the fig leaves. He doesn't come upon us and look at us and see the nakedness. Instead, he sees his own son who perished and died and was murdered on the cross for our very own sin. He comes and he sees his perfect son, Jesus. And so the God who did not give us the shame or this sin gladly will receive all of your pain. And all of those sins of the past don't have to grab onto your future. I'll be here for real tonight, you guys. Because you lost it and you made some bad decisions. Maybe you're even sitting here tonight and you're like, man, I'm hanging out with a bunch of Christians and I had an abortion and I don't know if I belong. Hey, come on. You belong. Man, I'm addicted to pornography. You don't understand. And I just, oh, come on. You belong here. Man, I've ruined all the best relationships. In no way, come on. I understand that all that's real and all that pain is real, but it doesn't have to be the shame that propels us forward. It can be the power of the Spirit of God Himself. And so this is what we're going to do tonight. This is what we're going to do tonight. I'm not going to do this all the time because sometimes it can get stale and it can get weird and sometimes you get to save me, whatever the case may be. But tonight we're going to do this. I really want to pray for some of you tonight. And I, I get like, let me preface it all, like we're being totally real tonight. Like, you're responding to an altar call, like walking up in front of people during a series that's about sex, dating, relationships. You know, that's awkward. Yeah, I'm the guy. I'm the guy right here, you know. And all of a sudden, that girl that you thought was cute when you walked in, you know, you're thinking, oh, she's looking at me and she knows. But who cares? Anybody that wants to judge you tonight about getting prayer has more problems than you do, Okay. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to throw out a prayer. If you're wanting prayer tonight, I'm going to ask you to, to just raise your hand because I believe something happens in that moment where you make that agreement. And then I want you to come up in this super small altar. And me and a couple other people just want to pray for you. Some might have a prophetic word for you, but everybody is going to encourage you and love you in the way that Jesus will love you. Amen. So let's all bow our head and close our eyes. Father God, tonight, Father God, tonight, we, we open up ourselves to you. 
And let's be honest, God, this is such an area of our lives where we just, we want to, we want to be super private about this. You know, God, I'll talk to you about my anger and I'll talk to you about my rage and I'll talk to you about my unforgiveness. But God, I don't really want to talk to you about my relationships. I don't want anybody to know. I don't want to talk to anybody else. This is just my thing. It's my problem. I'm just going to deal with it. And God, tonight we plead your blood and we declare that we need you, Lord, and we need each other. We need this community in this hour of need. Lord, if we're going to have healthy relationships and your word expresses and, and, and shows an example of your relationship with us, that healthy relationships are the avenues to spread the gospel. Or we want to be healthy in our relationships. We want to do this the right way because we want to have an incredible time in our marriages. Or we want to have an incredible time getting past all these issues and problems that we've had. So tonight, God, we open ourselves up to you. So if you're saying tonight, I'm not even saying something specific. I'm not going to call you out for this one specific thing. But I just want to ask you tonight, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're saying, man, I want, I want, I want prayer. My life and relationships has been so messed up. It's been so broken and hurt. And I just, I just feel like that shame is a label, that it's a mist, it's a haze that has attached itself to me and it won't ever go away. If that's you tonight and you want some prayer, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in three, two, one. Go, if that's you. Come on, come on, you put them up, put them down. Anybody else? Good, I see those hands. You put them up, put them down. Anybody else? Amen. All right. If you want prayer, uh, if you raise your hand, man, I really want you to come forward. If you didn't and now you want prayer, you're having second thoughts, I want you to come forward too, okay? So come forward in three, two, one. Uh, for the rest of you, please, we're going to worship together. Uh, if you want prayer, come forward. If you want prayer, come forward. If that's you, come forward now. Uh, for the rest of you, you can be praying for those who are up here or worshiping in your own words, whatever the case may be. Uh, we're going we're gonna to sing this song out together and Time, right? You guys can be here for me. That would be awesome. Are you hurting, broken, overwhelmed by the weight of sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of self? Do you thirst for?
God, we just thank you, God, for freedom from things in our lives that would give us trouble, that would give us bondage. Lord, we know that your name is above every other name, and so we declare that tonight. God, as we, as we close this night, as we thank you that you are so good, that you're going to do so many cool things in our lives. So everybody, um, you can be released. Um, we're just going to... Released. It's like a prison. Um, <laughs> we're just going to keep... Um, anyone who wants to stay and just kind of worship, you can. You can stay and talk. Um, but you don't have to stand around and wait for us to be done if you are done and just want to talk. Have a good night. super illegally. I like blocks of these garage. It says you're not supposed to do that, so. Nice. Yeah.